if God created us in God's image and God created us male and female, that means God is more than one gender. And I think that is fantastic. And that might blow some people's minds and that might make people really mad and I don't care. I think this is where, um, this is where we need to be, to recognize that God is representative of all types of people. Um, all right, so this is this is uh, unusual for some of you who are visiting with us or haven't done this before. A lot of you have been here for one of these before. You know how it goes. So we've got um, we've got Brent over there who will be holding a microphone, and he will come so that the people he'll come to you if you hold your hand up to ask a question, so that especially so the people online can hear the question. If you just shout it from your spot, they can't hear it online. So that's why we do it. And again, a reminder that these are. This is, uh, I, Pastor Chad always says this first part, so now I'm like, what does he say? He has a thing he says every time, but he talks about doing theology. Does that sound right? That sounds like what he said, right? This uh, theos, logos, the study of God, the word of God, right? We're studying God together, and so thinking about God and, um, and wondering about faith together. So that's what this time is, um, to ask questions of faith. And this uh, series, again, I've been meaning to ask. We've been uh, just thinking of the questions you've always kind of had about God and faith. And um, I, would, I can almost guarantee that if you have a question, somebody else has that same question because uh, that's kind of how life works. So if you have a question, put your hand up. You can ask online in the comments and Nick will let us know. Nope, he shook his head no. Someone will let us know. Brent will let us know. <laughs> Nick's like, no. He's like, I got seven things to do back here. Don't give me another one. All right. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. What? Teamwork makes the dream work. It's true. It's true. Okay. I think I might know the answer to this, but <laughs> yeah. why do you think it is that Christians seem to gravitate towards the uh, Old Testament hellfire and brimstone God and like to judge other people while just glossing over the love everybody command from Jesus. What, what, what do you think makes it so much more appealing for, not all Christians obviously, but the ones that make the most noise to gravitate towards that God instead of the way better one in my opinion. <laughs> the way better one. Well, turns out it's all the same God, <laughs> which is frustrating. Um, and uh, the, the Hebrew scriptures, uh, there's a lot of grace in the Hebrew scriptures. We just tend to pretend it's not as much there. Um, Jesus gets angry plenty of times in, in the New Testament as well, so that's important to remember. Um, I think judgment is fun. Jackson! <laughs> yeah. There's more to that sentence, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> judgment is, yeah, this, yeah. No, that's it. Just That's my answer. Judgment's fun. No, I think uh, it's way easier to judge someone and to put people in categories than it is to um, offer love and grace and space for somebody to be less than perfect and not fit into a category. Um, we really like to put someone in their place and it makes it easy to, for us to organize and then it feels more controllable and it feels safer. That's just instinct. It's, it's not a bad instinct, it's just kind of the way we're wired. And so I think we lean towards judgment because it helps us, oh, if that person's bad and I'm not doing that, I'm good, right? That's, that makes me feel better. 
uh, if, jo if God gets mad about this thing, then, um, then I'm not going to do that thing that's controllable. So it all kind of moves, I think, back into things we can and can't control. Grace is really uncontrollable, <laughs> and that makes it scary um, because if I'm worthy of grace, then is everybody else? And oh gosh, that opens up a that opens up a can of worms that I'm not sure we're always prepared to talk about or think about. So it's easier to say, no, I want to believe that there's an eternal punishment for somebody because that makes me feel better about them being a bad person. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna believe that person's going to hell. That's easy for me. Instead of I believe God loves them even if they've done really bad things, that's much harder for me. Uh, and so I fully understand the instinct to lean towards judgment. I don't know. Jenny, yeah. want to add to that? Yeah, I feel like when I'm thinking about, when I think about loving people, um, like actually loving people the way that we're called to love people, it's, it's actually not possible for us. <laughs> it's, if we're very honest, like if I have grace for someone, it's because God's Holy Spirit is moving in me and through me because my human nature is to protect my heart when somebody hurts me, is to um, know what's right or wrong so that I can be right. And I think that the beautiful thing about God showing up and like God is like, just please do this. Trust me with this one. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything else. I'm just gonna ask you to trust me in this one. Um, just, just love one another. And I think what's hard for us is it's all of that. <laughs> That's very, very, very difficult because our human nature is to want to protect, to insulate, to make things make sense. And when they don't make sense, we, our answer is to make God small because if God's small, then the world can make sense. And, and then I can understand how to avoid hard things. <laughs> um, I think we have this like notion in our mind that like, if life is hard for me, then I'm doing it wrong. And beloveds, like if life's hard for you, join the club. <laughs> um, that's why it's so hard to love when we've been hurt. It's so hard to love when we were unsure. It's so hard to love because it's so countercultural to how we're supposed to exist in this world. Um, the reason say, the reason God says blessed are the peacemakers is because everybody wants to kill them um, because they're not going to pick a side or pick a avenue or they're going to say, I want us all to make it. And what happens is so oftentimes is we forget that people are what we're called to fight for and instead we start fighting with one another. And, and that's where that Holy Spirit, that God that can do things that we can't do, can stretch us and move us to forgiveness and love, to open up lines of communication where they've been destroyed and can make a way where it feels like there is none. And so it just feels like judgment can help us make sense of a world that doesn't make sense and that brings comfort. <laughs> but as Christians, we're not called to be comfortable and I feel like <laughs> shoot, that shoot might open sense. up some more questions <laughs> but like if you're if life is hard it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong if um it's you're finding it hard and impossible to love people it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian 
It means you are in need of grace just as much as I am. And like, thank God we have this God that is not just like Old Testament judgment. And I do, I wanna go there at some point. This is why I love theology on tap because we can go down all the rabbit holes. But like (laughs) the Old Testament God is so wildly loving. Like the Ten Commandments is not a you should, you ought to, you need to. The Ten Commandments is let me show you how to love each other. Don't steal, don't kill, don't, I mean, these are all things we think we would know, but like that (laughs) reptile part of our brain pops up and is like, oh, we're gonna go, we're gonna go. Gotta get mine. We're gonna go, we're gonna go medieval on this one, right? (laughs) Like, and I just feel like God is inviting us, like, please, please trust, please trust me that that I'm bigger than you can even imagine or fathom, and that love actually can do more than hate. And I feel like it's such a beautiful invitation for us, especially now, um, to know that we don't understand God, New Testament or Old Testament, um, but the one thing we're called to do is have, have faith in the things that you don't see, that aren't concrete, that don't maybe even make sense. Have faith that God is still making a way where it feels like there is none. And so that's how I think of that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Back to you. Brent's <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, way in the back. Um, right up to your, yeah, almost. What does it mean, um, like, physically and spiritually and mentally that we are made in God's image? <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Love that question. <laughs> Do you go first? You can go first. Oh, this I love time. it. I love it. I'm good at bouncing <laughs> off things. Oh, uh, now you guys are getting a real good view of why I why I was like when Chad said he was going on sabbatical. I was like, I want Jenny. <laughs> this, is, this is it right here. Um, so the image of God, Imago Dei. Oh yes, Grace asked, what does it mean? Um, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, theologically, that we are created in the image of God. Um, so the, the uh, Latin word is imago Dei. Uh, it's just a beautiful image of, of um, God. So when you look around at everybody around you, everybody looks different, everybody is made differently, and we are all made in the image of God. So to me, when Jenny talked about the, how God is so big, Every time you learn about somebody's story and somebody's life and somebody's faith and somebody's experiences, you get a window into how God is so big, so big. Um, when we narrow the world down into a single story or a single type of person or a single thing that's okay, yes, right or wrong, we really narrow who God is in the world. And so um, I, it's hard for me to process emotionally, mentally, the bigness of that, that how that all of us are created in the image of God, but I think it helps me see people as beloved, it helps me see people as worthy of care and love and compassion. Um, when somebody is not kind, or I feel like they are um, um, doing something wrong, I'm an Enneagram one, so I think lots of people are doing things wrong, but um, uh, when, when I see somebody doing something wrong, it's help, or, or they're not nice to me in particular or to somebody I love, it's really good for me to practice this idea of somebody being the image of God, right, that this is God in the world, and they might be 
acting out of their, like Jenny said, their lizard brain or acting in a way that's not good. But if I can see them as a child of God, it helps me respond with grace and care. Um, this, uh, this idea that God's image is in all of us. And I think, um, I don't know if I, well, I could go there. <laughs> I go could there. go there. I'm going to go it. there. Um, Get it. God is with you. The scripture that that comes from is, is straight Genesis, right? God created them in God's image, male and female. God created them. And people are like, well, that means it's just two things. And I think that is not true. <laughs> um, if God created us in God's image and God created us male and female, that means God is more than one gender. And I think that is fantastic and that might blow some people's minds and that might make people really mad and I don't care I think this is where um, this is where we need to be to recognize that God is representative of all types of people all genders all races all ways we like to categorize and divide God contains all of those and so to me Again, it just, it just is so big that I get the instinct, it's sort of a related question in some ways, to narrow it down into something that makes sense for my brain. I want to narrow God down. I want to say you have to look this way or this way or you don't count as a person. You're not a person if you don't look like this or act like this. And God is just always saying, no, more, 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 more. Widen, make it bigger, make it bigger, make it bigger. Um, make the categor categories just erase. I have a beautiful drawing in my office of a Jesus with a big pencil erasing lines and people all around him trying to draw them with angry faces. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, you can pop by my office and look at it if you want to, but it's just this really beautiful image of like Jesus just comes and is trying to erase the things that we put in, in to divide us and categorize us. And we're just like, no, <laughs> Jesus, I liked that line. It was helpful for me. I'd like to keep it there. Thank you very much. Um, so I, I, I think this idea of the image of God being inclusive is hard for us and important, really important in the church in particular. Yeah, I think the um, language of the Imago Dei, the image of God, uh, has been used a lot to hurt people, just like, you know, a lot of scripture. <laughs> and um, where I, I just am fully following with you, Pastor Natalia, is the idea of like, for me, I, I, I talk a lot about this because I feel like if we could get this, if we could really get this and live into it, it, could, it really could change the world. Um, it's this idea that uh, John O'Donoghue says, he says, there's a place in you um, where you have never been wounded, where you have never been hurt, where there is still a sureness in you. And to me, that place is that Holy Spirit place where God continues to exist and breathe and live in each and every one of us. And I don't understand it most of the time. And trying to tap into that sureness is usually feeling pretty impossible. Um, and it exists in each of us. And I think the thing that just floors me is, I mean, going to the State Fair or Mall of America or wherever, and you're just like, 
just imagining this holy place in everybody, we get so distracted, I'll say by our flesh bags, right? Like how they look and what they, how they function in the world or how they don't function. And we're just like, sorry, this, bag, this room bag, knows how bag. I feel about the word flesh already. Oh. I did a whole sermon about how I highly dislike the word flesh. Ugh, ugh, flesh bag. Ugh. So Does it make it better bag, if I add, add bag, bag to that word? It's even worse. Oh my gosh. Oh, um, but like our outer, we always are judging what we look like on the outside. And I feel like it's, the concept of this has changed how I drive, how I move in the world, how I've come in and through this pandemic, um, is that like, for example, I'll be driving and somebody cuts me off and like my first instinct to be is like, oh buddy, I hope you make it. <laughs> like, wow, you know, like, it, and like I just feel like when I start to see how I am that person, um, a lot of times, you know, my heart is very much with the disenfranchised and um, because that's me, right? I see myself in the orphan, in the widow, in the woman at the well. I see, I see myself in that place. And so when people can say, how can you love those people? <laughs> Uh, my ins it just it breaks my heart because it's like I am those people uh, we are these people and we're all doing the best that we can and even when we're doing the best we can it looks messy and it's difficult mm -hmm. and yet for some reason this wild God that I can't even make sense of also I don't want to serve a God that Jenny Sung can explain in 20 minutes like <laughs> Like this God that just, I, I can't make sense of other than the fact that like this God has taught me what love looks like. This God has taught me how to expand my heart. And in that expansion, there really is freedom. I think we think if we have the scarcity mentality of like just mine, only me, I have to covet this, I have to hold it, I have to protect this. And God is like actually like, when Jesus Christ died and that veil was broken, like that's when we became the living temples. That's when we became the places where the Holy Spirit exists and is called to go out into the world so people can see and encounter this amazing love that changes us and transforms us. And like when people encounter it, it's not like a wow, that Jenny song, she's really loving. It's like, I just, when, I, when I'm with someone, I, I remember how they make me feel, that Maya Angelou quote, and it's just, and like God is just inviting us. Like the temple, the Holy of Holies has been broken and placed into every single one of us. And so like to see that holiness in one another and call that out, like I just think that's so beautiful that we get to be a mirror for one another and say like, that holy space is still in you, whether you feel it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you feel sure or not. Like my job, my hope is, and my faith is that it's still there. And so I feel like this Imago Day is something like you were saying way beyond what we can fathom and imagine. <laughs> and like, thank God for that. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I taught school for 35 years, and when kids fought, it was always say sorry, say okay, you know, go away, friends. But I've been reading this book called Radical Forgiveness, 
And this book, um, if I'm understanding him correctly, says we do not need to necessarily forgive someone for doing us wrong, that the forgiveness comes only from God, and that we do not have to say, I'm sorry. That's my question. Do we still say, I'm sorry? Mm, that's a great question. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Just mark. Um, I think, so, um, if you have the, the spoons, if you have the mental capacity to read another book about forgiveness after you're reading the book of forgiveness that you're reading, I would recommend Desmond Tutu's Book of Forgiving, which, uh, which is uh, a challenging book, <laughs> um, to say the least, but it talks about what forgiveness can do for us in the process of restoration. Yeah. So yes, I think there's plenty of times when I'm like, thank goodness God forgives you because I do not, right? Mm -hmm. Like if somebody has really hurt me, I think you are allowed to set a boundary and be like, nope, I don't have it, I don't have it. I don't have it to forgive you for this. Particularly in cases of abuse and trauma, like there's, there is no requirement to forgive people. God is doing that, that is true. Absolutely true. And Desmond Tutu was talking about apartheid when he was writing, like that is some trauma and that is some pain. And to be able to talk about the reconciliation and restoration process that the whole country went through um, in order to move forward uh, uh, required some act of forgiveness. Uh, I think it is, our, uh, it is our society's instinct to say when someone says, I'm sorry, and they don't really mean it, we're like, it's okay. Uh, and I think those, both of those are not, I would rather not get an apology than get a half-hearted apology. I would rather get a, I would rather never get apologized to have somebody, I, want, I don't want that. Even when my own kid was little, we would be like, for what? When, when she would say, I'm sorry, we would say, for what? Like, tell us the thing you're sorry about. We want you to be more specific and not just sorry, Layla. Um, and <laughs> that face. So I know she's, I'm like, oh gosh, I brought her up in front of everybody. Um, but to, to be more specific than just the requirement of a kid to say, I'm sorry, as, a, as like a gut response to get out of trouble. That's not what it is, right? to recognize there is a recognition of a hurt you have caused and you don't say those two words unless you can recognize the hurt you've caused if you're just doing it as a get out of jail free card i want none of that and can you imagine if that's how god did it for us oof like i wouldn't want a half-hearted forgiveness from god why would i want that from anybody else why would i want to give that to anybody else and so there are some steps i feel in forgiveness and asking for forgiveness and receiving forgiveness um, before you say it. And if you don't feel it, and if you don't feel sorry, don't say it. Ooh. And if you don't feel like you can forgive somebody, can say, thank you. I'm not ready to forgive you yet. Don't say it's okay if it's not okay. You know, I think we do a lot of things, like Jenny said, to make, make ourselves feel comfortable and make other people feel comfortable. 
we apologize really quickly. Women in particular, real good at apologizing for all the things, um, for our existence in the world. You know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Ooh, don't, ooh, uh, ooh. Um, and what happens when we stop apologizing for existing and stop apologizing because it's expected, but we apologize because we mean it and we see I've hurt you, I see the hurt I've caused, I'm going to say I'm sorry, I'm gonna mean it, and I'm going to be okay if you're not ready to forgive me in return. Um, that is, is a step in the process. When you say I forgive you in response, then you create a restoration of a relationship if it's safe and if it's, if it's healthy, if it's appropriate, um, but it's not required. And I do think there's a, there is a piece of like, yeah, God's, God's doing all that work. God's doing the restor restoring work. If you're, not, if you're not capable of doing it, God's, God's doing it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But you have a role to play in it if you would like to, if you feel like it's appropriate for you. But that's part of relationship. You can't be in relationship with people when that has been broken. That's part of restoring it. So if you care about a relationship, I'm sorry matters. I forgive you matters, right? Yeah, I just, I'm thinking, oh, I love this. Um, so one thing I just felt called to say, and it may not pertain to anybody, and it might pertain to everybody, but I pray that like right now in this moment and in this holy space, that you, you feel set free from all the things nobody ever apologized to you for. I pray like in your spirit and in your heart, um, there are places where we craved, needed, wanted someone to say they were sorry and they didn't, or say they forgave us and they didn't. And I just pray that in this moment you can feel released from that because um, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It sets us free. I love saying sorry to a fault <laughs> for, good, for good reasons and bad reasons. But I think sometimes saying I'm sorry is saying I see you. I see and I, and I hold myself responsible for what I've done. Um, and I feel like genuinely in our hearts, we're just not sorry, right? <laughs> we, we've learned how to say things like, I'm sorry you felt that way. Oh, or <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I you know, hate like, that as much as flesh bag, honestly. Oh, golly. We're, just a, we're offending Pastor Natalia a lot today. <laughs> Lord so have mercy. Do you forgive me? I do. Yeah. <laughs> See? No, I feel like to a lot of things. I had to write it down because I'm an ADHD and it's very easy for me to jump around. So first point, um, forgiveness doesn't mean that you trust someone again, right? Um, there may be someone that has done awful things to you and like God loves them more than you do and that's fine. And like you can forgive. It doesn't mean that you're going to allow them space to do it again. It doesn't mean that they have permission to like cross that boundary, but you can forgive because it's good for your soul. It's good for you. And I, and I mean this in a way of like, I've held unforgiveness. I've had things done to me that I hold unforgiveness real tight. And it feels like a great little blanket, but it, it cuts me, you know? And I feel like there's this, um, there's this analogy with forgiveness where it's like, it's like we're children holding a knife with the blade in our hand. And sometimes we're like, forgive, and they just want to rip that knife out of your hand, but it hurts you to do that. And yet the way God works, the way how God comes to us is sits beside us and says, 
love, beloved, you're holding something that's dangerous. Would you give it to me? And like, that's what forgiveness is. And I feel like sometimes in our Christian world, we put this like, moment on things like the second you forgive somebody thank god now it's done i'm set free i am so sorry buddies but sometimes forgiveness is that reminder of like every five minutes every two minutes having to be like okay no i forgive that i'm setting that aside i'm putting that down i'm not gonna grab for that knife anymore And I feel like that's what forgiveness looks like oftentimes. And I will say that in the world of pastoring, what I've I've seen um, is not always the case, but something that I see quite often is all those things you didn't forgive, as you get older, they continue to wear on you. And they continue to expand and they continue to deepen. And all of a sudden, it's like death by a thousand cuts. And, it, and like, that's the part of it that sets us free is it's like, beloved, would you open your hand and would you give it to me? Because it hurts you. And, and every five minutes sometimes we have to be like, God, yes, please take this. Yes, God, please hold this for me. Yes, this is too much. I can't. Because that hate, that hurt, that pain that we carry in our hearts, um, we carry it because we don't want it to happen again. It's a way of protecting our hearts. It's a way of, of being smart, of being wise. Like, don't let that happen again. And yet God is like, it's not about protecting us from hard things because hard things happen and it's awful and it's not easy. And those things that happened to you, I wish they never did. Those things that hurt you, I pray God will lift that from your heart. Those pain, that that pain that nobody sees that you carry with you, of the thing your mother said, or your father said, or a sibling said, or a friend, or a teacher said, I pray that they get removed from your heart, because I want you to know what freedom looks like. I want you to know what love looks like, You don't have to hold it anymore. Beloved, you can open your palm. You can let God hold that for you. It was too big. You were never meant to hold it. And I think that's what forgiveness looks like. I love saying sorry because it's a way of me saying to other people, you don't have to hold that alone. And if there's a knife that I've given you that you're holding, um, I want you to know that I'm sorry. I also think, as Natalia says, like, as women or like people in the world, saying I'm sorry for existing is very different than saying I recognize that I did something that hurts you. Um, I think that some of us, and this is, this is the beauty of the Holy Spirit, it will convict and challenge some of us and it will set others free. And maybe it'll do a little bit of both for you this morning. Um, you don't have to be sorry for existing You have the Imago Dei. You have the Holy Spirit. You are a temple of God. You are beloved. You don't have to be sorry for existing. In fact, I think God is empowering you and calling you and inviting you to be the whole outrageous, ridiculous version of yourself because that is a sign that the Holy Spirit is alive and well in the world, in diversity, in many different ranges and ways. And I think that we are, we're called not only to forgive others, but to forgive ourselves. 
We didn't do the absolution and confession of forgiveness sake because we didn't have the words, but I'm going to say right now, <laughs> God, forgive us. Forgive us for the places we fall short. Forgive us for the knives we hold against ourselves and against one another. And as a called, ordained minister of the Church of Christ, you are forgiven. You are set free. You no longer have to hold it anymore. And for all this and more, we thank God. Amen. Back to you. <laughs> uh, that, that shows how quick that time goes. Uh, again, we ran out of both time clocks, I think, and then we kept going, which is fine, which is fine. Jenny I didn't got even a, know there were time clocks. There were. <laughs> right, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> it was good. We just set you free. We set you free and let you go. This is great. This is what, we're, this is what I dreamed of here. Love it. So that's what we're, we get to do. Those were the perfect lines. We get our sent into the world to spread his love and liberating words. So that is what we are called to do. If you need a reminder that you are made in the image of God, you come on up here, you mark a cross on your forehead. You are a beloved child of God, just as much as Jackson is this morning. And we are sent with that cross on our head that does not wash off, that does not get removed, whether we doubt or struggle or wonder if we are doing it wrong. It is with us because God goes with us as we go in peace to love and serve the Lord.